Thank you for tuning into the City Church California podcast. We exist for anyone to believe in God, to become who God created them to be, and to build the church and our city. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast so that you can be updated anytime we add new content. Now let's check out the latest message from our Sunday gathering. So we are in a series looking at the book of Ephesians. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn with me to Ephesians. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 3, and uh, that's what we're going to plant. And so um, I'm, so, I'm really excited about today. So I was going to do a bunch of intro stuff, but I want to get right into it because I'm so stoked about what we're going to talk about. Um, so the book of Ephesians, it was a letter written to a church in Ephesus. And Paul is writing it. And a lot of theologians think that this is one of the most contemporary books in the Bible, meaning that it has, it is so much similar, what they experienced and what they were struggling with are similar to the things that we right now in our lives struggle and deal with. And so when it's speaking to it, it's really speaking to where we're at. See, because Paul is writing to a church that's dealing with an identity crisis. So what's happening within the church is, see, when you get saved, you accept Jesus, you make him the Lord of your life, something shifts on the inside of you. Now, all of a sudden, you're supposed to live a different life, how you see yourself, how you see others. You're actually not commissioned to what Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. So what happens is the church's job is God puts people in churches and cities to influence the culture around it. That's the goal of a church. That was the goal of Ephesus. That's the goal of our church. The problem that was happening in Ephesus was that it seemed like the culture was actually influencing the church. And so the people in the church were looking a lot like the people outside the church. And so if you really paired them up and like, I don't know which one of you follows Jesus and which one of you doesn't. Like, so uh, my wife and I, we have four children. And of those four, we have twin girls, uh, Sienna and Kennedy. And they are fraternal twins, but man, they look a lot alike. Like if you know my daughters, like you could think they are identical. And actually there's a 20% chance that fraternals could be identical. And I think that part of it, because they look so much alike, like, especially when they were babies, I was scared bringing them home. I was like, I don't know who is who. So I literally would write their initials on their diaper when I changed them. Because I literally thought I had a name Sienna Kennedy and then it would switch some point around. And I would have this other thing where like I would every day I would remember what color clothes they wore. It's like, oh, Sienna's in the blue, Kennedy's in the yellow. So like worst case scenario, like I got colors to think about. And then if not, they, you know, I got the diaper. Like they look a lot alike. Like even to my boys, my boys still, I don't think can tell their sisters apart. <laughs> Crew, he has opted for just calling both of them Sienna. That's what he does. So I think he's like a 50-50 shot, I got it right. He just calls everybody Sienna. Ford, he has this different, he calls him sister. He just calls him sister. He's like, hey, sister. So he's like, he's like, Ford's gonna be that guy, like if he doesn't know your name, he'll be like, hey, buddy, pal, player, what's up, you know? Which kind of backfires sometimes because a couple weeks ago, Sienna did something to Ford and he went to tell on her. He's like, dad, she hurt. And he's like, what's your name? And Sienna just, <laughs> and Sienna, she was like, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I see. Come on. She's like, I'm joker. I'm not telling you what my name is. <laughs> but it's like, but if you put my girls together, like line them up, there are nuances to them that I could point out to you and say, okay, this is Kenny. Kenny's got this kind of vein right here on her line. And Sienna has this little thing on her cheek and her, and her head's a little bit more round. But, but if from far away, I can't. But if you look closer, you can see the nuanced differences. And what Paul is saying is like, listen, Ephesus, I'm looking at your life and I'm looking at the lives of those that don't follow Jesus. And I'm having a hard time figuring out who's who. He's like, I can see some of the nuances. Like this person sleeps in on Sunday.
Sunday and this one goes to church on Sunday and this one kind of doesn't feel bad at all when they do something wrong. This person kind of feels bad when they do something wrong. He's like, but I can't tell a difference. And I wonder sometimes if that's what we struggle with. That if I look on the outside, if I were to pair my life with someone who doesn't follow Jesus, does my life look any different? Does the peace that I have, does the love that I operate with, does the faith that I have actually look like theirs or my looking exactly the same? Not that I am better because I am a Christian and they are not. It's simply that I am alive now and I used to be dead. See, because before Jesus, you were dead to your sins. You were dead to your trespasses. That means that you were disconnected from God. So you had no source of true peace. You had no source of true strength. You had no connection with God, no real purpose. Your life looked different because you were dead. But now, because you made Jesus the Lord of your life, he comes on the inside of you and awakens your spirit. And now you're a completely different person. You're supposed to look different. You're supposed to love people differently than other people do. You're supposed to walk with a peace no matter what is happening on the outside because you have Jesus. There is a purpose to your life. There is a connection to the heavenly father that you're supposed to have the Holy Spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells on the inside of you. So I'm supposed to look different. So Paul in this letter, there's two main themes he talks about. He talks about identity and he talks about power. He talks about who you are in Christ Jesus and the power that we're supposed to have to actually live it out. And so what we're looking at in Ephesians is how to live a life that God has called us to live. And so we're looking at this kind of like as a filter. So what Paul does, he does these couple different things. He, he begins to talk theologically and he's making this case. And then occasionally in this book, he prays for us. He prays for us. He prays for us in chapter one. And then in chapter three, he prays for us. So what I want to camp out today is I want to camp at the prayer that Paul prays for the church that I believe he prays for us and I prayed for you. And it is Ephesians chapter three, and we're going to read it all. And then I'm simply going to kind of go through this line by line. And we're going to just see like where the Holy Spirit wants us to like land because I have enough content to take us for an hour. I will not do that to you. Plus, this doesn't get better after 35 minutes. Like, it only gets worse the more I talk. So we're going to follow the Holy Spirit because every service, right, is a reflection of different groups of people from different places. And so maybe the Holy Spirit wants to speak on a certain verse more than the next service because you're in this room. And we have to recognize the Holy Spirit's role in this because if it's not here, I'm just talking. And I, I'm not here to do a TED Talk. I'm not here to motivate you. Like, uh, I, I, I'm simply like a dude who's talking and God has decided in his sovereignty to use the words of man to cause word to come in your life. And the Holy Spirit takes that word and makes it alive to you. That's why you can sit there and be like, oh my God, Pastor Mike, it's like he's reading my mail. He knows exactly what I'm struggling with. I don't know what's going on in your life. Your wife has not told me what you're dealing with. I'm not on social media, so I don't even know what you're posting about, right? But the Holy Spirit does, and that's what makes a message that's spoken from a pulpit, like so personal to you. And I know it doesn't make sense, right? Like, but that's why God said, look, he uses the foolish things to confound the wise. It's like, hey, what, who thinks someone talking is going to change my life? Well, when the Holy Spirit is involved, it does, right? So we got to read it. We're going to pray. We're going line by line, and God's going to change your life, and it's not going to be me, okay? All right, here we go. Ephesians 4, verse 14, he says this, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with an, an inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. 
your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to fully understand. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, you're here. Cause this word to come alive into our hearts. Change us from the inside out. May we know the depths of your love, the heights of your love, the width of your love. May our roots grow down deep. May we experience inner strength. And may we be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 14, Paul starts off. He says this. He says, when I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. And what does he pray? I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Paul prays that one of the, first, the, the things that we are supposed to experience as someone who follows Jesus is this inner strength. Now, when we start thinking about strength, many times we think about like the, out, the outward strength, like the physical strength, like I'm strong. We think about like the mental strength, like someone that's someone who can like go through things, like someone who runs like triathlons or a, a Holocaust survivor who mentally was strong enough to endure like the hardships. We think of like mental strength. We think of physical strength. Paul's saying, I'm not talking about some sort of outward strength that is dependent and, on you and you're the source. I'm talking about this inward strength that you're not the source of, that this life that you are called to live as a Christian and a follower of Jesus is a life that is supposed to be fueled by this strength on the inside of you that is from the spirit of God himself. And why do I need strength? Because I believe that God's called you to live a life that requires strength, to live a life that influences the culture, to live a life that God's called you to live, to walk free from addiction, to be the father God's called you to be, to be the mother God's called you to be, to start that business, to be a student that God's called you to be. It's going to require strength. I think sometimes we have to be careful to not think that, hey, get saved, love Jesus, and it's super easy and chill until it's all said and done. No, it's going to be a little bit challenging and it's going to have difficult times. And what God has called you to do is something great and it is worthy of everything you give it, but it will require strength. But on the other side, God doesn't say, hey, you got saved. Now figure it out on your own. Good luck muscling through people. I'm up in heaven. I'll see you soon. No, this is why Paul prays. I pray that you would experience an inner strength from the spirit of God because you need it. And then he speaks to the source of it. Where's that strength come from? From God, who's glorious and who has unlimited resources. Physical strength, mental strength is dependent on me. And I am limited. There is, uh, there is a limit to how much I can pull from. So Paul says, hey, this strength that you need never runs out. Because God never runs out. I wonder sometimes if for some of us right now, we're living a life where you are dealing with a scarcity of strength. Because what you have gone through, you, up to this point, you have relied on your strength, your physical strength, your mental strength, your emotional strength, a, a family strength, like something on the outside that you are drawn strength from, and now it is starting to go, and there's a scarcity of it. And scarcity has a way of making people do, think, 
crazy things. It makes you panic. It makes you anxious. It makes you do things that are out of your character and nature. Like, think about the, uh, you remember the uh, toilet paper scarcity of 2020? Do you remember that? It's like, hey, COVID-19, we're all in this together until you need toilet paper. And that's every man and woman and child for themselves, sucker. It's like, well, I thought we were in this together. Except you need toilet paper and that's running on a short. It's like, okay, well, maybe I got this at the last moment, right? This is my, this is like plan D. Hopefully I don't get there. But what happens when there's a perceived scarcity? People panic. There's anxiousness. People do things out of character. My heart breaks for the moms right now dealing with the formula scarcity in our country, right? As someone who has a parent, now I, I didn't feed feed my children. I mean, I helped, but as much as I could. Uh, but we supplemented with formula, and I try to think back of what would have happened if I didn't have access. I would be nervous. I would be scared, and I would do whatever it took to try to figure it out. For some of you, you have come to a place where there is a scarcity of strength in your life. And it has caused you to think about doing things or maybe you've started to do things that are out of character and irrational because you're, you're pulling from a tank and it's empty. It's not there. And that's what, and Paul's saying, that's what everyone else outside of following Jesus, that's how they deal with it. But because you're in Christ Jesus, you don't have to live that way because there is this strength on the inside of you. And it is not dependent on you. It's dependent on the spirit of God. And in case you're wondering, does God ever run out? No, it is unlimited resources when it comes to the spirit of God. So every day I can draw from that well of strength. Every day I can come and pull from what God has put on the inside of me. Yes, you have physical strength. Good. Yes, you have mental strength. That's incredible. It just can't be the only thing you depend on. And do you maybe need to use and adjust the way you manage that strength? Of course. Maybe you don't have any boundaries and you need to say no a couple times. Maybe there's some, some Sabbaths you've got to take. There are ways to uh, manage outside strength, but I don't have to manage my inside strength because Paul prayed, man, if you would just understand and get that there is a power on the inside of you, a strength from the Spirit of God, and every day you pull from that. This is why Paul, the same guy who wrote this, wrote, hey, I rejoice in my weakness because in my weakness, God's power is made perfect. So he's like, look, even if I feel weak in the morning, I'm going to rely on God. And God, it puts God in a place where he can do something. I just got to lean into him. And he prays that we experience this inner strength. He goes on to say in the next verse, he says, then Christ. Now, let me, let me stop right there. So, so my translation says, then Christ will make home. It's almost like in order to get verse 17, you've got to do verse 16. But if you actually study it out a little bit, you, in case you wondered, every once in a while, if you're like standing up, you know, someone's up here and says, hey, well, the Greek word for blank is this. And you're like, why are we talking about Greek right now? We're speaking English. Um, just so you know, like the Old Testament was written, most theologians believe, in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. And so what happens is we translate, we translated the Greek into English so we can understand it. Now, sometimes the issue with that is sometimes one word for Greek could mean a number of different things, and we just pair one English word with it. And so, so what, it's beneficial if someone gets up and says, hey, well, listen, this is what the Greek word means. And in the, uh, the original context, this is what this verse stands for. And so that's why we say that. And so if you read this out, most theologians believe that these two verses, that what Paul's doing, he's actually praying two, two prayers. It's not like one is connected, like I've got to get 16 before I get 17. No, no, it's just like he's praying two prayers. And I think that's important to understand. So he prays one that you would experience inner strength, right, through the spirit of God that's on the inside of you. The second thing he prays is this, that Christ will make his home in your hearts. How? As you trust in him. 
and your what your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. I actually think you actually got to get 17 before you get 16. Now, he says that Christ would make home in your hearts. That's salvation and spiritual formation at the same time. And here's why. You invite God into your life by trusting him. When you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that confession of Lord saying, God, I trust you to lead my life and you know what's best. And the Bible says when that happens, God comes into your life, the spirit of God, and, he make, and he's at home. You know, I think that what we need to do is I love this verse because it says that Christ would make his home in our hearts. Like for many of us, I wonder like he's in our, he's in our home, but does God feel at home? Do I feel at home with God in my heart and in my life? I think what God wants at the end of the day is he wants refrigerator rights to the house of your heart. You know what refrigerator rights are? It's like someone who isn't, doesn't live in your house, but they are so comfortable with you that they can walk you through the front door and just open up the refrigerator. And it's like, does it matter? Like, no, they don't feel weird. You don't feel weird, right? Like, I had one of my best friends growing up, like, he had refrigerator rights at my house. The, literally, the first thing he did when he walked into my home was he would open up our refrigerator. <laughs> it wasn't weird. It wasn't awkward. He was just at home. He was like a brother. He was like a, you know, he was like a son to my parents. And so there was this, this thing that I feel like God wants that com- He desires a comfortability in your heart. Can you imagine this? The creator of heavens and earth, God of the universe, wants to dwell on the inside of you and be at home with you. But I wonder sometimes if God is more like a, a, a room renter in my life than someone who's at home in it. You know, one of the biggest transitions I had to make, my wife and I had to make living from Ohio, moving to California, is a little more expensive to rent out here. In fact, what I charge someone to run a room is double what I paid in Ohio for a whole apartment. So we got used to and accustomed to having someone in our house. And it's like, okay, like you're in our house, but like this isn't your home. Like you have your own little section and like, you know, you do you. And it's a great, we've had great roommates because we never saw them. You know what I mean? And they, they were gone before we went to bed and they were whatever. And so, but sometimes I wonder if that's our approach with God. Like, God, you're in my life, but man, God, he's, he's in there. But, you know, we kind of keep to ourselves. You know, he does his thing and, you know, he heads out early before I wake up and he comes back later when I go to bed. And he's got a couple of things in the cupboard there and he eats and it keeps multiplying. I don't know why he keeps eating. And that's a Jesus joke. It was super lame. I knew I shouldn't have done it. And I did it anyways. Don't believe your own hype, Michael. You're, you're better than that. He wants to be at home in your hearts. And how is that possible? By trusting in him. So I start inviting him into my life when I trust him for the first time. And then I live a life of trusting God and it causes this comfortability with his spirit that's on the inside of me. See, God is always leading us to places where we have to trust him more. God doesn't lead you to places where you don't need him. He leads you to places where you do need him because in that need promotes this intimacy and this dependency that is necessary for you to grow and for you to mature and for you to be reflect who he is. That Christ would be made home in your hearts. And when that happens, what does it say? So that your roots then will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. So then when he's at home, the roots of my life, I'm rooted in who God's love is. Now, this is an agricultural society. They would have understood when Paul spoke of roots, what he meant. Now, whether, I don't know where you're with us online, but in Southern California, we got a couple fruit trees around here somewhere, right? 
So we kind of get what roots are. Like we understand the importance of roots. Like the root, everything's on the roots. Like the life of the tree is in the roots. The stability of a tree, the anchoring of a tree is in the roots. The fruit, fruit bearing potential of a tree is in the roots. And where that roots are planted at will determine how much fruit it produces, if it will be healthy, and if it will be stable when it gets difficult. Paul is saying that before Jesus, you were rooted and grounded in something that wasn't meant to sustain you. It's like you ever go to a nursery and they, they have trees that are like starting to grow and they're in pots, right? And you, you buy it, but eventually you've got to take it out of the pot and put it into the ground because if it just stays in the pot, it won't grow to its potential. It just stays right there. But if I take it out of the pot and I plant it in good soil, something that was maybe three feet can eventually be 20 feet high. Why? Because it's in the right soil. And he's saying when you, you follow Jesus, it plants your roots in God's love. And then you're able to grow. And you're able to produce the fruit of your life, which is love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, uh, self goodness, faithfulness. Like That life that reflects who God is, that sets you apart from the world around you, is all based and drawn from the roots. But for some of us, those that follow Jesus, I wonder sometimes that we, we love Jesus, we follow Jesus, but we haven't put our roots in his love. They're still in the pot of something else. Our roots, where we look to draw strength and nourishment from, is in a relationship. It's in a job. It's in my kids. Uh, it's in the, the latest uh, report on the economy. It, it's in something that hinders my growth because it's not meant to sustain, grow, or stabilize me. And so my life, why does my life still look like lives of people who don't follow Jesus? Because my roots, though they don't have to be, are still in things that their roots are in. But when I make God at home in my life and I live a life of trusting in him and I'm walking and following him, soon the roots of my life are transported out of what it was and into something like God's love. And it's in there that my love begins to grow. It grows and it flourishes and it nourishes me and it stabilizes me. And when something hard comes at me, my roots go deeper into God's love. You know, palm trees, their roots grow the most during a storm because it feels and knows that something bad is happening and it needs, and so it actually, the most time it grows is when, there, when there's a wind and it goes down deep. I can, you may have to, I don't know what my, I don't know where my roots are. Where do you go? What do you turn to when it gets hard? That's where your roots are. But man, if your roots are in God's love and it goes down, the first thing you do, God, you better believe the first thing. Now I'm going to use wisdom and I'm going to use strategy. And this is not, this is not an excuse to live stupid when something bad happens. But when this happens, the first thing that happens in Mike Roberts' life, I promise you this, and I don't do everything perfectly, but I will do this. When it goes down, I get in my Bible and I pray and I tell my friends who I do life with, will you pray for me? Because I know my roots during this hard time have to go deep down in the love of God because even though I might have a strategy and I get an idea and I'm gonna work my way out of it, I'm going to need a source that stabilizes me and anchors me and it is who I am and it'll grow deeper. When you go through something hard, it actually becomes some of the most intimate times with God. It's because where you get the closest to him. So if you're going through something hard right now, don't pull the roots out. That's what we do. Didn't work, God didn't work. Going back to the relationship, going back to the substance, going back to this toxic thing. It's like, no, let him go deep in the love of God. 
We would experience strength from an inner man, the God, from the Spirit of God. That God would be made home in our hearts by trusting Him. That our roots would go down deep in His love. Verse 18 says, And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should. Right there is a great qualifier. It's not just pastors who get to experience this. It's not good Christians that get to experience this. It's not like veteran Christians, as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. There are always new layers and levels to the love of God. I think sometimes the problem with some of us who've been following Jesus for a long time, we've become uh, familiar and we've settled with the experience of God's love that we have now. And there's not a desire to know more of it. I wonder sometimes, and I'm at, I'm at fall of this, we try to set up our life to where we no longer require faith. And it's not bad to have a 401k and a strategy and a plan and a financial plan, but when was the last time you really had took a step of faith because God told you to do it? Because in that step of faith is a new experience of dependency and love and layers. So when was the last time you... You did something with your finances that God's like, maybe someone, God, maybe somebody, God spoke to you, you heard what God was doing, what's going on in this church in the making. God said, I want you to give a blank amount of money. And you're like, oh, no, we're good. That gets me out of my budget, Jesus. But like you felt like God spoke something to you. I don't know, maybe he did. Maybe God's telling you, hey, I, the next time that person says they're sick, I want you to ask if you can pray for them. But I don't know, what are they going to be stupid? What are they going to make fun of me? What's I know it could happen. It could. But you're going to put yourself back out there again. And you're going to have yourself a dependency on God. Well, God, if you don't do this, I'm going to look like an idiot. That's what we're talking about. That's being at home. That's roots deep. That's experiencing the height, the width, the depth of God's love. So I step out. Say, help Jesus. And he comes through. And then you begin to know, as all God's people should, the height, the width, the depth, the love of God. And may you experience the love of Christ, though it's too great to fully understand. I love it. He's like, look, y'all aren't going to be able to fully wrap your mind around it anyways, but I pray you get more of it. (laughs) (laughs) Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. This is so important. You got to catch this verse. He says that may you experience the love of Christ. Some translations will say no. And that word no in the Greek, here we go is gnosko, and it's a, it's a form of, it's not head knowing, it's this uh, intimacy exchange knowing. It's like Mike and Gabby knew each other and all of a sudden they had four kids kind of thing. That's what that means. That's what it means. This knowing of intimate exchange, will you experience it? You can, this is so good. I'm a little dragon this morning because um, uh, I took my boy Ford to his first Dodger baseball game last night, people. Come on, somebody. Yeah, let's go. Now, we did not bring home a win. But uh, we brought home a bobblehead because it was bobblehead night. And he got a foul ball. I kid you not. He got a foul ball. Unbelievable. It's so cool. I was like, do you understand how big of a deal this is for? And he's like, oh, he's throwing it up and down. I'm like, no, no, you. There's some old lady. I'm not kidding you. Some old grandma. She was eyeing him, man. I was like, we went to go to the bathroom. I'm like, we're taking this glove, man. I don't care. It's like, I don't trust people. My roots aren't in that lady. My roots aren't in but you know, it's funny because when you, you, you go to a, a pro baseball game, it's like, I can try to, ex- 
explain to Ford like what it's like to be in a game like this, but he's got to experience it, right? Like I could say, Ford, it's going to be so much fun. We're going to go to the Dodgers and we're going to get up there and you're going to see the stadium. And yes, it would take us five minutes to walk there, but buddy, it's going to take us 45 minutes to get there still until we park our car, but it's going to be awesome. And then you're going to get in there, buddy, and you're going to see thousands and thousands. Ford, have you ever heard thousands of people cheering once? It's incredible. The sound, it's amazing. Ford, you're going to see 50-year-old men tell Mookie Betts that, he lo- that they love him. It's going to be awesome, man. Buddy, if you ever had a Dodger dog, oh my gosh, you're going to spend $15, but it is going to be so good. I had to cash out part of my 401k, buddy, but guess what? We're getting one. Ford, you, Ford have you ever been a part of the wave? Like, there's like this thing where like people like just stand up like this. And I know it doesn't make sense when I'm doing it by myself, but when you have thousands of people doing it, it's incredible. Now, I can try to explain that with my words, but when he gets there and he experiences for himself, he's like, oh, I get it. This is incredible. Go Dodgers. Do you understand? Paul, at this point in his prayer, he's like, listen, you got to get this. There is this power on the inside of you. It's there because the spirit of God is on the inside of you and it's unlimited and you can literally draw from it. It empowers you to do everything. And there is a God who wants to make at home at your heart because he loves you and he wants to be so comfortable with you and you with him that you trust him and that your roots, you understand your roots, they go down deep in God's love and they anchor you and they give you power. But I could tell you all of this, but I have to pray that you would experience it for yourself. Paul's saying this Christian life is not just theological, but it is also experiential. It's, it's not either or, it's both and. I've got to build and learn and understand who I am in Christ Jesus, but there has to be moments in my spiritual formation life where I, you, not all of us, we experience the love of God. That it's not so, like, that's why we can't comprehend it, because it doesn't happen in here, because that's what's been happening in here, the first couple verses. What he's talking about is what's going to happen in here. And then you know what it's like to be loved by God. And you know it's so deep in your heart that you're willing to take steps out to trust him. And you know what it's like to be fully accepted and loved, that you're rooted and grounded And you get just a taste and a glimmer of this unlimited resource that is the spirit of God on the inside of you. And like on other times where you would have gone to draw from your own strength or somebody else's, you draw from what's on the inside. So Paul prays that you and I would experience this. He's like, they need a miracle moment. Moments where it is undeniable. Because when you have moments like that, you don't turn back. You don't. I don't live a perfect life. I make a lot of mistakes. But no matter whatever happens to me, I will never turn back. Not because of what I know up here, what I've experienced here. Why do I experience at camps? That's why you should bring your kids to City Kids Camp and Summer Camp. Because there were experiences I had in those moments. And I would, didn't want to go. And I would do everything I could to like be distracted. But yet there were times where God got a hold of me. And I knew God was real. And he had a plan for my life. Yeah. That's why on Sunday mornings, when we're done talking, we worship again. That's not like a starter's pistol to like get out of here to get early to your brunch. We're trying to create moments for you to experience God. Because yes. now you've gone through a place where you've heard, maybe your faith is built, 
Your theology is being um, added to. But now you need a moment where it's real. Because on Monday morning, when life comes at you, I don't need something that's just up here. I need something that's been felt and experienced here. It's both and. That we would experience the love of God. He says, then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. That is the ultimate goal. I complete, like my life is a complete reflection of who God is. My desires are his desires. Who I am is who he is. I think as he thinks. I follow as he leads. There's a reflection of life. That there is life now in me. Fullness of life. Fullness of life. And power. This is the process that Paul prays for us. And I'm asking the worship team to come up. Then he ends. Now all glory to God. Who is able. As if right now you're asking or wondering, could God even do this? Could God really do this? Like, seriously? Like, could he really have me experience him in such this way? Could, could he be unlimited? Could, could he be the source to him who is able through his mighty power work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think? God wants to do things in your life that past, you can't even, you wouldn't have even been able to ask for it. That's the spirit of God that dwells on the inside of you. That's who Paul is praying to. That's who wants to make his home in your heart. This one. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. God doesn't just long for this experience for you. He longs for it for your children. Because God is the God of generations. That's why we have kids camp. That's why we have city youth camp. That's why we do city youth services and we do city kids. We don't babysit. God is a God of generations. We take, city, we take children's ministry very seriously because the devil takes children's ministry very seriously. So this God is meant to be experienced and encountered even at a young age. And wouldn't it be better if they got it now? If their roots started the soil in the love of God right now. To him who is able to do exceedingly above all we could ask, think, or imagine. That's the life that God has for you. And he so wants it, he compelled the apostle Paul to pray it for us and to pen it that we would know. He wants you to experience strength through your inner man. And it would be the source that you would pull from. He wants be at home in your heart. He desires for your and my roots to go down deep in his love that we might experience the height and the width and the depth of it. And he desires for us to have our own experience. And we would know that we are loved until we are made complete in the fullness of life and power. Can I pray for you this morning? Can we all stand to our feet and we're just kind of, we're going to have a moment now. It's okay. Here it is. And this part's not on me. This part's on the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a moment. And here's what I ask. If you, if you don't mind, maybe close your eyes. Uh, only just because I think, I don't know, it's easy to get distracted when your eyes are open. At least when they're closed, you can um, focus. 
I'm gonna offer two invitations. I'm gonna pray for two things. First one is this. Maybe there's some people in this room or with us online. You've not invited God into the home of your heart. In Revelation says, Jesus, he, he, he declares in Revelation, he says, hey, I stand at the door of your heart and I knock. And if you open it up, I'll come in. Some of you maybe in this room or online, you need to take the first step of inviting God into your life because you just haven't. He's the peripheral. Like, you know who he is. You, 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 you've heard him preach. Maybe you've come to an Easter service or Christmas Eve and you've heard it, but you've not fully invited him. You've not trusted him. You've not confessed with your mouth that he is Lord and believed in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead. So this morning before I, I pray, I want to make that invitation. Today, is there anyone in this room? And in a moment, if it's you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. And here's why. I just want to know who I'm praying with. I also think this is something, again, this is about, this is a first journey of test of trusting God. Like, hey, why don't you just make a decision? I'm going to let people know I am inviting Jesus into my heart. And can I tell you, there are a lot of people in this room, they have made that decision already. And so when you raise your hand, you're not going to be met with critics or you're not going to be met with judgment. You're going to be met with excitement because guess what? You are going to be dead and now you're going to be alive and you get to live this life I'm talking about. So on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand and say, one, I'm going to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Two, I'm gonna invite him into it and I'm gonna have him become at home in my heart. Three, would you please raise your hand? Is there anyone here? I pray for, I see that hand. Thank you so much, sir, appreciate you. I see that hand, thank you very much. Adam, I see that hand, thank you, little man. If you raised your hand, I'm gonna say a prayer and I'm gonna ask you to repeat it after me. There's something super special about the prayer. It's more, I'm gonna give you the words that you're feeling on the inside. And everyone in the room is going to say it after with us because I want you to experience what you're entering into, which is a life that's not by yourself, but a life where it's a group of people who aren't perfect, but are going after Jesus too. So every head by goes, can we all say this, especially if you raised your hand? You're going to come alive. And he's going to come at home in your heart. Say this to me. Say, thank you, God, for sending Jesus to die for me. I believe that he is your son. Forgive me, God, of my sins. I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, let me pray. We're gonna worship right now, but I just wanna pray. I'm gonna pray you have your own experience. No matter whether you've just recently begun to follow Jesus or you've been following him for decades. Come on, let me just pray for you and let the Holy Spirit do what only he can do. Holy Spirit, I pray right now for us, everyone in this room, that we would be empowered by your strength in our inward man through your spirit. God, I pray that you would be made at home in our hearts right now as we trust you and that our roots would go down deep in your love. God, that right now in this moment, I pray that we would experience the width, the height, the depth of your love, God, I, I pray it. God, I pray that we would experience your love, though it is too um, incredible for us to fully understand. But Father, I pray it, that there would be a fullness Father, our completeness in the fullness of life and power right here, right now, in this moment. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, move right now in Jesus' name. Come on, let's just worship. Let's have a moment with God right now, church. Open heaven, sing it out.
right now just let's just keep lingering for a little bit longer but just keep once you worship God with your own words right now just begin to give him thanks and honor and praise tell him thank you tell him you love him come on sometimes new depths and experiences with God you gotta linger to, to experience it so come on just for a moment more come with your own words come on father we love you we worship you You're gonna, you're gonna experience a peace of God, and you're gonna know God is someone. God doesn't move with anxious energy, busy energy that gets you anxious. There's breath to God that's that calms you. And you're gonna know God like that. And everything else is chaotic. There are a lot of things right now in the world that are chaotic and crazy and busy. But this strength is a strength that doesn't overpower you. It's a gracious strength. And it stabilizes things that shouldn't otherwise be stable. And you're going to experience that peace. Some of you, you are you're thinking about doing something And it's because you're dealing with the scarcity of strength. God's gonna fill you up 
and you're going to get clarity what needs to happen. And it may still be to do the thing you're supposed to do, but it may not be anymore. Right now, don't try to figure out what it is or if you should. Let your roots go deep in his love in this season right now. Let that strength be manifest in your life. Get your breath that comes from the one who gave you your first breath. And then you make the decision. And some of you, you've been hurt. Been hurt by close people that have made bad decisions that are out of their character and you wondered why it was and you think it's you. There was a scarcity of strength and it made him do something wrong. That's not on you. But what it did reveal probably was that your strength was in them and not in the one it was supposed to be in. So now, let your roots go deep in his love. And he'll heal that. He might restore a relationship. He might do something supernatural. But he'll do it in such a way that if it does come back around, it won't be the unhealthy dependency it once was. It will be what it's meant to be. See, God is meant to complete you, no one else. That you might be complete with all the fullness of life, And then God sends people to come alongside and you do life together, not looking to be completed by them, but completed by the one who made you. Father, right now, we just see what you're doing in our hearts this morning. May May this not be the only time that we experience your love, God. I pray that we continue to grow in the depths and understanding of who you are. And may this church, and I pray for City Church California because this is my church, this is our church, so I pray it. Uh, I pray, God, that we would not be a church that is influenced by culture, but we are one that will influence the culture. And that, God, our church will be marked by people who aren't perfect, but people who are authentic and real, who live different lives, who serve a live God, who experience peace when there shouldn't be, who experience power when they shouldn't have it, who have supernatural strength, who believe the best, who have faith, who love even their enemies, who prays for their enemies, God, who defends the defenseless, God, that we would be a church that is generous and loving and kind. God, may that be a mark that we have, and may you see that, God. And may you respond by releasing your glory and your power in and through this church so that people in Ventura County would know who God is and experience them for yourselves. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, can you believe that with me? Can you say amen and give the Lord a hand clap? We so appreciate you spending time with us. If you'd like to invest into what God is doing through City Church California, you can go to our website, citychurchca.com, and click Give. Thanks again, and we hope to see you at one of our campuses this Sunday.